my, my, my. Which direction can I go after that? That was some of the best singing I've heard in a long time. And we just uh, heard two real good messages. Brother Jay, that was a good message. Brother Buddy, that was a good message. <laughs> I love the worship here tonight. My, my, felt good, feels good. And the Lord can do a great work when we get in his presence. One of the writers said, if thy presence go not with us, don't lead us up. It's the presence of the Lord that has made us what we are. We didn't deserve it. We didn't merit it. His goodness, his love, his mercy, the presence of the Lord. Oh, we can get along without a lot of things, but we can't get along without his presence. Hallelujah. Praise God. I feel like there's some folks that love Jesus here. That's it. That feels good. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Woo. My, my, my. My, thank the Lord. Well, God bless you. It's so good to be here tonight. And I'm glad to see all of you. Appreciate the way the Lord has been uh, talking to our hearts uh, different ways. Sometimes we have fast songs, some slow songs, some fast and slow. And uh, so a preacher, he thinks he has a message, and all of a sudden it begins to change. Lord, why are you doing this to me? But I'm so glad that I could be here to be a part of this. I feel right at home, and it just feels good to be in his presence. Amen. Brother J.D., good to see you. Sister Doris, good to see you. And so I do deeply appreciate all of you and the way you've made me welcome and feel right at home. I I always feel that when I'm around my preacher boys, and and it's uh, so, so nice to be here and feel what we feel, love what we feel, can't get along without it, get along without a lot of things, but not get along without this. Do you really love Jesus tonight? I believe you do. Praise God. Praise God. My, my, my. Psalms 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. 
They that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. The answer, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? The strange land needed a song more than anybody. But the children of Israel were so beaten down, the daughters of Zion, the beautiful singers, they lost their inspiration. I say tonight, don't lose your song. You may be seated. I've loved to sing, and it's it's amazing how... uh, when I'm preaching a lot of times, a, a new song will come or an old a new song. And uh, we should always have a song in our hearts, regardless of what we go through. You can sing and the Lord will help you. And uh, my father was a great singer. I, I want to bring his old guitar here sometime and that you see that little Martin guitar over a hundred years old, and and he uh, used it. That's the only music that we had that he had a lot of those early days. I can remember my father would sing and just keep singing, and and uh, he had a good clear voice, and people loved to hear him sing. When he was in the world, uh, he entertained a. A lot of the all-night parties played his banjo. He told me that many nights, Saturday night, early Sunday morning, his fingers would be bleeding. He had played and sung all night long. Well, I like to sing, but not all night. There are a lot of things that the devil would like to try to cause you to lose your song. Amen. Adversity. Many people lose their song, which is a sign of victory. Have to go through a lot of things and become so troubled and can't seem to rise above it. And... uh, but our trials can make us better. Whatever we go through, we can be better when it's all over. Amen. And uh, this was exactly where these daughters of Jerusalem were. They'd gone through captivity. They were slaves. They were heavy laden. But the Babylonians never heard singing like they could sing. And so they ask a question. Sing us one of your songs. Their answer was, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And so I'm just saying to Pentecostals here tonight, you have a victory that's God-given. Don't lose that victory. Amen. Amen. Just keep striving Keep working, keep trying, don't fail. Amen. Praise God. I, I do appreciate the fact that these singers were singing in the spirit here tonight. Amen. Almost made me want to 
get up and shout. But I was a little bit afraid of my legs. I better not tempt the Lord. So I thank God that, that you can feel what you feel here tonight. Surely the Lord is in this place. Praise God. We uh, had a, we traveled uh, so much when I was a boy, and my dad uh, built 17 churches. He was a good carpenter, and he'd go to a place and have a great revival, and, and they would want a church building, and he would, uh, he would use his saw and hammer and his uh, experience and First thing you know, they had a church up 17 through the years, and he averaged a sermon a day for 44 years. I'm not talking about uh, a little sermonette. All of his messages were at least an hour or longer. He had such a knowledge of the Word of God, it just flowed. Nobody uh, seemed to be disturbed. They were right there because of the love for the Word of God. Amen. We would be traveling along, and, and uh, then we'd start singing. That old Kilgore car would just rock a lot of times. Singing, mother and dad, at least six children all the time. In those days, they had what they called gospel workers, travel with the old pioneering preachers. They would, uh, they would help. They would pray. They would help put up the tent, take down the tent. And uh, Brother Charles Lambert, does anybody remember Brother Lambert? Gospel Truth Pentecostal Church in uh, Houston, and uh, <clears throat> my dad prayed him through to the Holy Ghost in Corning, Arkansas, and uh, so we went to preach him a meeting when I was about eight years old, and we, right on Washington Avenue, we stayed in a storefront building, there were no fans or anything, left the front door open and the back door open and the air that would blow through was our conditioning. We were not in very good condition. We slept on the floor, had a great tent meeting. And then when I came back to, to Houston to pastor, he uh, took me to the campground one day. We were going to do some work and he said, uh, James, did your dad ever tell you how your little brother died? And, and I said, no, other than that he died, had pneumonia. He said, well, I was there. That was the most touching scene I've ever seen in all my life. Your mother sat in a rocking chair for three days, rocking and praying, rocking and praying. And uh, she held him all night in that rocking chair. And they kept trying to believe God that he would be healed. But he said, the day that your little brother died, your father went 
to all of our pallets and different places and woke us up, said, Brother Charles, my little boy is about to die. We need you to come and be with us. And he said it was a touching scene how he went from one pallet of the children to the other and told them their brother was about to die. And he said, then I watched them kneel around that rocking chair. Finally, the little fellow drew his last breath, and my dad uh, said, Brother Charles, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't have any money to uh, take him to a morgue, and I don't have money for any kind of a casket. And, and he, your dad went to the lumber yard and asked the man if he had scrap longer, uh, lumber that would give him so he could make a a box for his little boy to be buried in. And of course, he gave him what he needed. And your dad was so careful the way he put that wood together. And your mother sat in that same rocking chair and sewed a cloth together to line the inside. And then he couldn't get into a cemetery. He didn't have any money. And someone told him about a little cemetery way outside of Paris, and he went there and and uh, asked uh, the people, it was in a churchyard, if uh, he could bury his little boy there, and he said, well, certainly, it don't cost you anything, and, and said it was such a touching scene to see the... The, uh, to see the concern and to know what your parents were going through. And, and uh, <clears throat> so they drove away from that heavy-hearted. But you know, God gave my father a revival in that county. Over 1,500 people in Lamar County were baptized in Jesus' name. My dad baptized them, and at least 50% of all the people he baptized came up out of the water speaking in tongues. And then I was privileged to go there and pastor seven years after my dear wife and I got married. We went on our honeymoon, had $20, and uh, we didn't eat a whole lot. We lived on love. I told him it's a wonderful thing. When I first met Imogene, it was love at first handshake. And I wanted to put that hand in my pocket and use my left hand from then on. And uh, But we were happy, happy, oh so happy. God gave us great revival. My wife was a wonderful witness, knocked on doors and and uh, to thank then when they built a new church several years after I had left, they asked me to come and preach the dedication. And I told the story of that little fellow, my brother that I never knew was buried out there somewhere. And to think I could come back and dedicate a beautiful church. God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. We don't always understand 
But when we can't see and we can't understand, we can still trust. Amen. Every one of us here tonight needs to just say, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. Lean not to my own understanding. In all my ways acknowledge him, and he will direct my path. Praise God. I never cease to be amazed at the amazing grace of God. Isn't it wonderful? Amen. I read in the paper one time many years ago, a mother was sick unto death, and, and the doctor told the family, said, only God can save your mother, your wife now. And the little boy was about 10 years old. When the doctor said that, they said he bolted out of the house, ran down the street, and there was a big, beautiful church, and he ran up to the, up the uh, stairs, and, and, uh, and he asked the head usher, said, does God live here? He said, well, son, uh, let, let, let me take you to the pastor's office. He said they went down around and found the pastor's office, and they went, the little boy went inside, and their pastor had on a long black robe, and he ran and fell at his feet, wrapped his arms around his legs and said, Oh, God, I'm so glad I found you. And he pulled the little fellow up and said, Son, I, I'm not God. I'm just a, a minister here. And said he was so disappointed. He said, Oh, the doctor told me that my mother couldn't live and only God could, could save her. And uh, so he said, well, son, come go with me. Took him out on the platform of that big, beautiful church, set him down beside of him. The congregation was wondering what is going on. When he got up, he had the little boy to stand. He said, now, folks, this boy's mother is at the point of death. And uh, the doctor said only God could save him. And he said uh, he came here thinking that God lived here. I want to ask this congregation, does God live in this place? They couldn't answer it, but we can. We brought him here. When we leave, it'll be an empty building building but we brought God with us and we brought the church with us and we brought his spirit with us and we feel his power and his presence thank God for it amen when when Jesus went on his journey uh, there was a blind man that had been blind for many years and he heard that Jesus was coming through and he cried out, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy upon me. And the Lord heard his cry, and he touched and healed those blinded eyes. And there was a time when he went into Jericho, and there was a little short fellow named Zacchaeus. He heard that Jesus was coming. 
he climbed up into a tree thinking that he wouldn't be seen, but he could see Jesus. But Jesus, of all the crowd, he didn't say a word, but when he saw Zacchaeus in the tree, he said, come on down, I'm going to go home with you. If you are that interested, I want to visit with you a while. And uh, Jesus passed by uh, uh, Bethesda one day, and a blind man, 38 years old, or a lame man, 38 years old, and uh, he was waiting there for the troubling of the water. Jesus asked him if he would like to be healed. He said, sir, I don't have anyone to help me. Others always rush in ahead of me. And uh, he said, why don't you just take up your bed and walk? And so the lame man took his bed. There was a, a man that was had a disease and and uh, he couldn't get to Jesus for the crowd. And his four friends said, we'll let you down through the roof. And so when he was let down through the roof, Jesus uh, said, your sins are forgiven. He rolled up his bed and walked off. He was in a place one day, a rich young ruler came running to him. He was at another place when a when a little woman crawled to get to him just to touch the hem of his garment. Peter was out fishing one day and, and uh, his disciples said, Peter, that's Jesus on the bank there. And Peter jumped overboard and swam as hard as he could to get to Jesus. Well, I'm saying whatever you have to do, if you have to climb a tree, you have to get let down through a roof, if you have to run, if you have to crawl, whatever you have to do, get to Jesus. That's what we do in this church. We just do whatever it takes. If I have to sing 20 songs or sing the same song over and over, we are trying to get to Jesus. Amen. Aren't you glad we can come to him? Don't lose your song. Your song is very important. Fear can take your song away. Too many people live in fear. We have a lady in our, out of our church, non-Pentecostal, came in our church one time during a prayer meeting, got under conviction, God filled her with the Holy Ghost, she married later and moved to Holland, and uh, she got to where she would call me every few days, and she'd come in contact or shook hands with someone that had a scratch on their hand, and she'd say, I've got to hear from my pastor. Am I all right? Oh, I said, sure you are. She got to where every little thing, she would call me. I want to know, am I all right? Finally, I told her, I said, if you don't get a hold of God and quit living in fear and live in faith, you're going to be behind bars in about six months from now. You're living in fear and not in faith. Amen. If you want to break through to the Lord, ask the Lord to get you rid of this fear, yes. nagging fear. Amen. 
And we need a deliverance from that kind of a condition. If there's sin in our lives, we're going to lose our song. The Lord will not bless and anoint us over the top of sin. And I love the singing here tonight, the praise singing. And this trio's right down my alley. I like that kind of singing. Amen. If I stay here long enough, maybe we can have a quartet. I could, they'd invite me to be a part of it. My dad would go places to hold a street meeting, and, and he was on the steps of, of Waco, uh, the, the uh, capital steps. And, and to get a crowd, he would... He would have uh, my little brother and I to sing, and I played the banjo. And, and about at that time, I was about 10, and Joe was about 7. And uh, we sang, and uh, then the crowd would come to see these little boys sing. And then my dad would preach. One day, a drunk came up there, and dad was up preaching, and, and uh, he said, Preacher, come down from there, and I'll show you how to preach. And Dad just ignored it. He'd gone through everything you could think of. And later he said, Preacher, I said, come down. I'll show you how to preach. And uh, the third time, Dad just kept ignoring it, and then he lifted his voice. Well, stay in there. I'm with you, Cyclone, right or wrong. The, the missionary that was here the other night, our youth choir went all the way to Europe to sing at a European conference and to sing at his little place there in Holland. And he told me the next day, he said, Brother Kilgore, we had labored there for years and never got any kind of a breakthrough. But when your choir began to sing on the street, they had a big, big square where people would gather and they had little groups talking and singing and, and said, the minute your choir started singing, there was, must have been about 50 young people, said people left everything else and came and stood there to hear that choir. And then I preached a little bit, and uh, so many came up, where are you having service? We want to go. And he had more visitors that night than he'd ever had, and said we'd never been breakthrough, had a breakthrough in this country in all the years. But when they heard that beautiful singing, that was the beginning. Amen. Two people received the Holy Ghost that night. They'd never had anyone receive the Holy Ghost. And they went through to the European conference and sang, and people got inspired. I'm talking about the power of singing when it's in your heart and when you're anointed. Let me tell you, there's something about it. Don't let... Fear cause you. Don't let sin cause you. Don't let adversity cause you to lose your song. On the battlefield one time, Israel didn't know what to do, and they were in a hard place, and uh, they came to a certain place, and, 
<coughs> and uh, they didn't know they didn't know which direction to go. And finally, the prophet said, send me a minstrel. And the minstrel came and started playing and singing. And uh, after a while, he said, that's enough. They went home. The next day, God gave them a glorious victory. That same group was singing one place to an old dry well. And uh, they ran out of water. What are we going to do now? We're going to sing. Amen. Praise God. And uh, so they looked at that dry well. And the Lord told them to sing. And you know what the song was? Spring up, oh well, spring up. Spring up, oh well, spring up. Spring up, spring up. And while they were singing, water began to come from the bottom of that well. Singing can refresh you. You can be ever so thirsty. Come to church, start singing, hearing singing, and you will feel refreshed. Praise God. I'm telling you, folks, there's a victory in this house tonight. I feel like that we broke through something here this morning. And I just have felt good in my spirit all day. And the best is yet to come. We're going to keep singing. We're going to keep shouting. We're going to keep worshiping. We're going to keep trusting God. We're going to have revival. Woo! Hallelujah! If I have to run, get me to Jesus. If I have to swim, get me to Jesus. If I have to fall out of a tree, get me to Jesus. Whatever it takes, let's let's get to Jesus. He has the answer for every need, whatever your need is here tonight. He has the answer. Amen. Let's run and get to Jesus. Let's crawl if we have to. God's been good to all of us. I never cease to be amazed how he works and answers prayer and is with us when we don't deserve it. He doesn't bless you because you deserve it. He blesses blesses us because he loves us and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Praise God. I'm so glad for that, aren't you? Amen. His mercy endures forever. If I told you not, I'd never fail God. I'd be lying to you. There have been times that I have failed. One man one time was talking to me about a decision I made as a general official, and and he was real upset about it. And, And I said, sir, if you're looking for... Uh, some of my failures, get a pen and pencil or paper, I can give you a whole list. But thank God when you fail, you've got one that you can go back to. The Bible said in the valley of Acre, in the valley of Acre, there was victory. Valley of Acre was the place of failure. 
That's where Achan was stoned to death. And the Lord said, even a failure, that much of a failure, there is still a victory there. So don't be down and out. The place of failure can become a place where there's a flowing well and the Lord has a way of forgiving us and forgetting it. Don't live in condemnation the rest of your life. We have a priest that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities and he's right here tonight to touch us and he's already touched me. Glory. The touch of his hand. Have you felt that touch lately? Amen. I read this story again a couple of days ago of Paul and Silas. The Bible said they had been beaten with rods because they were preaching the name of Jesus. And beaten with rods. I don't know how you could stand to be beaten with rods. I remember one time that my son was about 12, 14 years old, and he was always busy, always in school, not paying attention. The teacher gave a note and said, uh, your son will not pay attention in class. And I, I showed it to my son. I said, I don't want that teacher to have to bring and send another note home. And we had to sign it and send it back. So the next day, the same thing. Jim will not pay attention. I went out and got a switch in the backyard. And I gave him a good switching. I'd be in jail today if I did that. I was raised to the tune of a peach limb switch. My dad used a razor strop, two big pieces of leather, and it would pop, and we would holler, and he thought we were really hurting. Matter of fact, it was just a big, loud pop. But we knew how to get out of that. But you couldn't fool mother. She got a peach limb that would just cut right through. I tried to put on two pair of pants one time when she had told me she was going to spank me and she discovered it right away. Couldn't fool that gal. Having ten children, she had to probably carry a switch around with her most of the time. Amen. But to be beaten with rods is another thing. And when Jim came home that third day and I read the note I said well wait right here I went outside and got a big switch I came inside took my shirt off and I took that switch and started beating myself and he couldn't stand it he came running and put his arm said dad whip me please don't whip yourself and uh he saw what I was willing to do for him. 
never, ever had another problem in school. He could see his daddy punishing himself. I look at Calvary and I see there's one that took my place. He was beaten. He was beaten. I can, I can see the flesh that was torn away. David said that his bones gazed at him. They, they pulled the flesh off of his back. And the stripe wrapped around his head and, and hit his eyeballs. And oh, what a price he prayed. Don't forget that. Nearly every day I read Isaiah 53. They say that's the middle chapter of the Bible. That's the one that gives the description of his trial and his beating and the suffering and the shame. Amen. And then Paul comes along and said, five times I was beaten with 40 stripes save one. The Jewish law would never let him go as far as 40 times. But the Romans didn't have that kind of law. That, that's why they kept beating Jesus. And to think by his stripes we are healed. Isn't that wonderful? But there was Paul and Silas beaten with many stripes with a rod. And uh, when they were put in the prison, the jailer uh, warned uh, everybody, uh, the uh, chief officer, don't let him escape. They got, had that charge, and the Bible said that they made their feet fast in the stocks. So here they are, their backs are bleeding. They're suffering. But at midnight, Paul said to Silas, uh, I'm hurting real bad, and it's uncomfortable to be have your feet and your hands in the stocks. But I tell you what, Silas, let's sing. They started singing. When you're suffering, just sing a little bit. When you feel you've got stripes on your back, just sing a little bit. And as they were singing, the Spirit of the Lord moved right in that prison. The stocks flew off, and uh, the chains came loose, and they were set free. And all of the jailers, all of the prisoners were set free. And uh, it was all beginning with a song. Amen. A song of victory. What was that song? I'll tell you what I think it was. When Paul and Silas were in jail, we're told they sang a song, one phrase of which it must have been. We won't be in here long. Whatever comes, whatever goes, oh, let it come from friend or foe with victory. We'll sing our song. We won't be in here long. I have another verse or two, but 
I'm afraid I'll forget about in the middle of it. I want you to sing. When you leave this building tonight, feel I've got a song in my heart. Church doesn't have to be dull, dead, dry, or boring. Nobody can worship like Pentecostal people can. And I want to keep worshiping. I want, when things go wrong, I want to learn to sing and worship, shout, have the victory. Woo! Praise God. I'm telling you, we are, are in the right place at the right time. And thank God for what we've heard and felt here tonight. I wonder who loves the Lord the most here tonight. That sounds great. Praise God. Glory. Blessed be the Lord. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Why don't we just turn loose for a little bit. Keep loving and worshiping the Lord. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. I think we could close out by saying, if you have a special need that's pressing you down, you need peace in your heart. And uh, I admonished Brother Ron Erpel Dean and his wife yesterday over the phone. When he heard his pastor's voice, he answered the phone, and I tried to leave a message. And uh, he was weeping, been driving in Montana, snow and ice on the road. The car slipped, went down a great big embankment and rolled and rolled. Threw his 14-year-old son out uh, to the side there. The car finally stopped. He was pinned in the car. He worked and worked and finally was able to get loose. And then he started looking for the boy. and, And for a while, he couldn't find him. Then when he found him, put him in his arms, and he drew his last breath as his father was holding him. And uh, Ron has lived on the floor just weeping and wailing. And his wife said, Pastor, the only thing that will help him is if you can come and talk to him and preach the funeral. That was such a sad thing. But I had to tell him, Ron, your only strength and help is the Lord. I can talk to you all night. But if we don't start believing God, 
and you receive the touch from God that you need, there's no need. You've got to get out of that despair. It was not your fault. I know what a great loss, the only child in your family. But God will make you a greater man of God than you've ever been, than you ever thought you could be. So look up and praise God in spite of the trouble that you're having. He is our answer. I'm telling all of us here tonight, whatever you're suffering and going through, Jesus is the answer.